Welcome to Illuminate Universe's podcast, The Cast. Get it? The Cast? Okay, let's dive right in. My name is Leah and I am a manager and national lead here at Illuminate Universe. In this episode of Illuminate Universe's podcast, Illuminate founder Alina Huang interviews Jessica McNaughton, who is both an entrepreneur and intrapreneur. Follow Jessica on her inspiring and captivating journey from post-secondary to working at WestJet, the University of Calgary, Shell, and finally creating her own consulting firm and startup, Memory Keeper, a digital time capsule. I think our listeners will truly enjoy hearing Jessica talk about her professional journey in HR and advice on how to find your true passion for aspiring corporate professionals. Jessica also discusses strategies to demonstrate high performance while leveraging emotional intelligence in any professional environment. So before further ado, let's learn how to inject leadership into any role and design a life that gives you energy in our latest episode with business superwoman, Jessica McNaughton. Hi, Jessica. Thank you for the interview opportunity. Um, To give everyone some context, Jessica and I met back two years ago, I think, um, when Jessica was this amazing keynote speaker for the National High School Business Competition that was held at Deloitte, Canada. Ever since then, I've always contacted Jessica for all kinds of advice, whether that be careers, life, or even boys, and Jessica's my go-to. So today, I'm so happy, Jessica, that you're here and that um, more people can benefit from hearing your story. So since a lot of my followers, they're um, young professionals and some are students, I thought we'd maybe start from the beginning. So Jessica, um, what did you study when you were in college or university? And what did you want to be when you grew up? I'm still trying to figure that one out. So um, thank you for having me here. First of all, I love uh, being around you. I always, I always leave a little wiser and a little more energized as well. So I appreciate the show. In regards to what I studied, I actually, I did not take a traditional path. So I studied some general uh, science classes focused on anthropology and took a couple of years. And then I actually didn't finish my degree right out of uh, high school. So I took a different path. I left home and then I left Canada and I went and worked abroad teaching English. I worked on cruise ships for a while. I worked in a resort town in Banff, Alberta. Um, and really focused on, I would say, I would say I was still focusing on education, just non-traditional education. Um, Mm -hmm. so I actually took a longer path to get there as I just recently completed my executive master's of business administration from the Levine school of business last year. So congratulations! thank you. Um, and in regards to what I wanted to be when I grew up, I have to say, I never, I still don't know for sure. Um, and yeah. I, I take that as, you know, I think some of us are born with this really clear insight as to what we want to do and how we want to live and, and what we want to be. And some of us are searching. And I think embracing that searching is important. Um, because I think early on, I realized I had some friends who knew exactly what they wanted to do. And I was like, I'm never going to be that person. I don't think I want to try everything. And so what I yeah. did was I learned to a inject passion into mundane things because I knew I wanted to live a passionate life and a passionate you know day so trying to find take the ordinary and make it a little bit more special um and and I think just chasing joy um in the absence of knowing this is exactly what I want to do um being able to wake up and say then I have to really listen to myself 
where mm. I found the joy, where I was, you know, energized and chase that instead. So I love that, Jessica. I, I feel like even me sometimes, um, just coming out of graduation, I felt like there were certain goals that were already set for, for, for me, um, you know, for my peers who were <laughs> studying business yeah. and we weren't, so I really like what you talked about in terms of, you know, following what you're passionate about and finding joy, because those two things will eventually bring you to a place that, you know, exactly. that, that belongs to you, that, that you're, you're the maker of your life. Yes. And I love the lifelong learning piece. It's that's what I feel like keeps us growing and discovering all facets of life. Yeah. And being that's an adult learner was it it um it you appreciated it in a completely different way. Oh, cool. Tell tell me yeah. more about that. I mean, you just <clears throat> I went with a curiosity that I think I didn't have when I was right out of high school and then started taking classes where I was just like, I have to do this paper and I have to finish it and I have to get to this next thing because I have to get this done. Whereas mm -hmm. this experience was a little bit more about like, A, I can see how it applies or how it doesn't. I'm confident enough in myself to challenge a professor to say, I don't actually think that works in the real world where I wouldn't have been 20 years earlier. Um, and, and it was just a little bit more like, I almost liken it to like playing a board game. Like you kind of went for stuff because you're like, what do I have to lose? I know I'm gonna, mm -hmm. I know I'm gonna complete this and I'm gonna get as much out of it as I put in, so. Yeah. Wow. I love that attitude where you're just not afraid of failure or your perception of failure. Mm. It's very, it's, it's very, I don't want to say joyful, but, but it, it gives you a lot more courage in that sense yeah. where you can explore the things you love. So I really love that. So, um, so I noticed that in the beginning of your career, actually the majority of your career, when I was stalking your LinkedIn, um, is you focused on, <laughs> focused on HR. So tell us about the transition into HR. Yeah, I, I would say I never, and I mean, my last role, I was a chief people officer. I clearly was an HR person, but I, um, I never saw myself as an HR person. I always saw myself as a business person in human resources. And I think that started from a fairly young age, just seeing in order to extract value and um, make any sort of business venture successful, it was how well you could extract potential from people and how well you could keep them motivated and engaged and committed. And so mm -hmm. I think um, I have a fairly business minded, you know, focus, but <clears throat> would always get irritated at, well, wow, you just disenfranchised this whole department or this whole group, or you're not going to get value out of them because you just made them feel like crap. So I think mm -hmm. early on when I worked on the business side, I noticed the people things that could be better to make the business better. And so that mm -hmm. led me to um, just kind of naturally falling into HR. Like I, I started at HR and recruiting. I spent a lot of time in recruiting. Recruited at WestJet when it was like the glory days. We doubled in size two and a half times in two and a half years. Um, wow. So it, was, it was really, and it was the, it was the best time there. Everyone wanted to work there. And it really was a matter of like picking the best and the brightest and the most driven. And mm -hmm. it really was a time where they wanted people to make their own good decisions. So we were picking people who we were entrusting with a lot. Um, they could waive fees still. They could, you know, give away things. Like it was, it was a different world. And so being able to just see and extract the best potential from people was something that just came pretty naturally pretty early um and I got really lucky like I I I can say I look fondly on every single job I had but I had some really incredible mentors there and really wise entrepreneurs and intrapreneurs 
Interesting. So tell us, I think, um, tell us your perception of the difference between an entrepreneur and an intrapreneur. How, how do you differentiate them? Yeah. So I think, um, and I don't just think, I actually, I did my thesis paper for my EMBA on this topic itself and how to leverage wow. the entrepreneur in an organization. And so I think the difference really, like partially, um, entrepreneurs are a little bit more patient. They're typically working in a, a larger organization and they know how to impact change and make change in larger bodies with bigger decision-making um, protocols and authorities. And so they can navigate through the politics of things a little bit more patiently, a little bit more eloquently. Entrepreneurs typically want to break their rules, like get out of my way and let me just do it the way I need to do it because I know it's right. Mm -hmm. um, <clears throat> they're both very driven. They're both very innovative. Um, entrepreneur probably wants to move a little bit faster, but an entrepreneur can probably, um, you know, you, you can make a lot bigger things happen when you have the power of a whole organization behind you if you can find a way to get people to follow you. And so I think the difference is a little bit patience, the little bit um, entrepreneurs have to be able to be comfortable having less control and trying to get with where they need to get to through influence of larger groups. Whereas an entrepreneur can say, I'm rolling up my sleeves. I'm doing it myself. Um, they're both equally innovative, I think, though. It's just the, the approach and how they execute to get to their end goal is different. And their entrepreneur is a lot more through um, policy and people and structure. Wow, that is, that is fascinating. I, I learned something new today. This is amazing. So Jessica, would you consider yourself an entrepreneur or an entrepreneur? Um, <clears throat> I think I lean more to the entrepreneur, to be honest, but mm -hmm. I mean, I've, I'm 25 years entrepreneur and one year entrepreneur. So <laughs> you know, I still, as an entrepreneur, look to think, oh, there's probably some structure there. Or I look to a team, like I want to engage a large group of people to get passionate about it. And we figure it out together, um, <clears throat> which is more common in an entrepreneur than an entrepreneur. An entrepreneur, a lot of times is a solo or a small, you know, small team. And so I think I still lean more this way, um, but I'm getting there. I think wow, that, I the that. Roots, like the soul of both of them are the same in that they want to challenge the status quo. They want to make yeah. things work better, faster. They know there's a better idea. They want to, you know, cut the bureaucracy and get to it. There's a lot of similarities. So yeah. Yeah. And if you can leverage, you know, the traits of both sides, then you mm -hmm. can almost plug and play and create your own story or your own career based on yeah. your, your goals and your objectives. Yeah. I love that. So Jessica, if there's one piece of advice that you can give aspiring corporate professionals or entrepreneurs, as we talked about, in terms of landing their dream job and standing out, especially during this you know, time when we're recording this podcast, you know, COVID-19, what would that be? I mean, I have 10 pieces of advice, but if I really stuck to one, um, it'd probably be about balancing being bold and being humble. Um, you, you're not going to get your dream job right away. You might have to take the job you want at the place you don't want, or you might have to take the, 
you might have to go to the place you want to be at, but not get the job you want right away and prove yourself. Mm -hmm. So I think being a combination of being bold and saying, I'm going for it. I'm putting it all out there. I'm, I'm showcasing myself the best I can. So I stand out and being humble to say, I'm not entitled to too much. I'm going to work so hard that you're going to want to give me my dream job because you're going to know I'm best for it. So I think a balance between those two. Um, <clears throat> standing out, like I think you have to find out what's comfortable for you and your personal brand. But I think of some of the people, like I said, back in the day at Westchat, like we had people do things like send a platter of sushi and say, see my raw talent and with a resume attached or one, lots of people would send like a shoe with a resume in and inside it and say like, now that my foot's in the door and like, that oh, was I love that. <laughs> fun. And yeah. And it was, you know, it was unique to the kinds of roles they were applying for. So it has to feel like it's you, like if that makes you terribly uncomfortable, that's not what you do, but find yeah. something it's going to make you stand out and maybe one organization thinks it's weird but when you find the right organization for you they're going to love it's going to match yes yes and having the right advocates um I, there's a term for this and in in corporate I, I remember what's that term it's like when oh a sponsor a corporate oh, yeah. sponsor yeah right who can help you navigate through the ups and downs of corporate and yeah give you some existing resources that would be really really helpful and I completely agree when you talked about it's it's almost it's this fine balance that you have to keep I think our perception or our education traditional education has taught us that is like um, it, it's one it's one way to success right it's like in elementary in high school we're already talking about leadership and leadership is this very very attractive module in the curriculum but when we talk about leadership in the real world when you're starting off you're not you're not acting like a senior manager or you're not actually putting these leadership skills that you know um john f kennedy is was using right which they teach you in the textbook so it takes a lot of thread it takes a lot of proving yourself and doing the little things well with precision and that way showing respect to those who have been in your exact shoes and back in the days they had to work 10 times harder on on the jobs that you know that were not automated and yeah. they had to work their way up like that so I love that piece of advice I think a lot of people would benefit yeah, and I do think you can inject leadership into any role, you know, taking an enterprise approach, looking for the people around you and how you can help, taking ownership of what your task is to the next level, not waiting for someone to tell you, you know, it still demonstrates. Yes, yes, leadership at every level. Mm -hmm. I love that. So, okay, um, I see that um, you, 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 you made a couple of, different career moves um you know going from WestJet to um to Shell to you know I think you started off in RBC even yeah. so you're obviously an expert um when it comes to you know navigating corporate and being an entrepreneur as you said can you share some specific maybe one specific strategy with us in terms of how you can demonstrate high performance and leverage emotional intelligence to your advantage? Yes. Um, yeah, I made a lot of, of changes and, and shifts. I mean, I greet every position and every company I've been at, like I'm going to be there for a lifetime. You know, I, I do take, mm -hmm. I emotionally connect to things and 
want them to be better because I've been there. And, and I think that shows, but um, at the same time, I think always kind of thinking about what's next, paying very close attention. Like what I said at first about um, understanding where your joy came from and where you're really demonstrating the best skills. Um, paying attention to that helped me make some of the moves I made. Um, I made some mistakes too. Like, especially I think I went from WestJet and we were super entrepreneurial at the time, you know, very, um, yeah, it, it was a very fast paced, figured out as you go sort of environment to U of C. And I did that, I made that shift. Partially there was some leadership changes here. There was some, um, I had some family situation. My, my mom was sick at the time and I was working like a dog. So this allowed me to have more time to go to treatments with her and things like that. So it was a good move, but at the same time, culturally, you have to recognize where you fit in. And in this really kind of slow bureaucratic um, academic space, I didn't fit as well. And so I, I, that didn't mean I abandoned who I was. I mixed things up a lot. I had a great experience there. I have an incredible team that I still keep in touch with and who, you know, we changed a lot of stuff very quickly in that environment. And it was, it was a rush for all of us, but, um, but it was probably a mistake to make that move, which is why I went back to corporate because I'm just, I'm driven by performance and results and it's what energizes me and keeps me moving. So um, yeah. And, and I think paying attention to yourself Knowing the difference between, um, <clears throat> which just takes some practice and some making sure you have quiet time for reflection, um, is telling the difference between being low energy because you're scared and you need to learn a bunch of new stuff and it's, you know, it's intimidating versus being low energy because you're just not doing the right work for who you are and how you're built is yeah. really important in the early years because I think I got those mixed up a couple times and I probably shied away from experiences that had I really dug in were probably going to be perfect for me because I mistake them for them not being the right work whereas really it was probably that I was scared that I had so much to learn I didn't know where to start and I was yeah. too um I don't know what what I was too much of I was maybe I was too scared to ask for help um, and I mistake those for, oh, this isn't the right work for me, which I probably would have been one. Like we made some changes mm -hmm. in, in leadership. I, I was up against some new um, barriers and I would have plowed through them. Like looking back, I know that. And I took an easy way out. Oh, here's a job that's going to pay me more, give me more time off. I knew it wasn't the right job for me, but it fit a couple things in my life at the time. And so, yeah, the, the sooner in your life, and I think um, younger students actually have a ton more self-awareness than we were encouraged to have. So I think you're already, you know, you have a step ahead, but paying attention to what's the difference between I'm resisting this because it's hard and it'll be worth it. And I'm resisting this because it's not right for me. Oh, I love how you laid out the difference. Cause I think going into, going into your first job, for example, that could be very confusing. You're trying to figure out, you know, what you want to do while on the other end, you have all these different hobbies and passions and you're trying to fit into it. And there are so many levels of expectations, maybe from yourself, maybe from your bosses. And when all of those opinions come together, you, yeah, you're right. It, it does. I, this is from personal opinion. When I was in corporate, it, it did make me shy away from opportunities because you're almost doubting yourself, right? Um, because there's so many options, those options became um, confusion in, in a way. Yeah. And it's okay to say it's not right for me, but make sure you're saying it's not right 
because it's not right. Not because, you know, there's some intimidating new things in your path. Yes. Yes, I agree. Uh, so, you know, I think this leads into my next question. So, um, you, so you went from the industry WestJet to director of HR at U of C, which is University of Calgary, for those of you who don't know. And then you made that switch back into industry at Shell. So tell us about, you know, the, the, the mindset and the process that you went through to make through those decisions. Yeah. Um, you know, by, at that point, I, I knew that culturally I was struggling and I had, I had an amazing group of people that we developed a really close knit team. So mm -hmm. uh, at UFC, it was hard. To, I think WestJet to UFC was a bit of leadership change. I probably should have just dug in and it would have worked out even better. Um, cause mm -hmm. I loved it there culturally. I fit really well. I felt at home. Um, went to U of C partially because of family experience too, and being able to, it freed up a lot of time. Um, yeah. I thought at the time that I thought that's what I needed was somewhere that had less demands on me, but then I realized I'm actually wired to just put demands on myself. So it doesn't matter where I work. That's the kind of person. <laughs> uh, so, so, you know, spending some time there, did some good work, but knew it wasn't my forever. And actually Shell reached out to me about this program they had. And I had resisted going into oil and gas, which is funny because a lot of my career was in Calgary. Um, but I had resisted the industry in general. Uh, and, and the way they sold this role to me, the ability to impact the leaders, the ethics, the, just the experience um, and the business in that region just sold me for getting back to, um, yeah, I, I meant to be in businesses that pay attention to things that probably public sector companies don't pay as much attention to. I'm, I meant for yeah. a higher place performance culture. I'm just wired that way. Yeah. Yes. And, and I believe, you know, for, for individuals who are, who are like you, Jessica, who are wired, you know, for this high performance, go, go, go kind of culture. Wow. You, you know, not only whoever, whoever your employer is, they could definitely benefit, benefit from that, but you're also like a magnet for those around you, um, you know, to, to motivate others and to inspire others, set the great role model example. So that's amazing. So, you, you know, know what, Jessica? Mm -hmm. Oh, I was just gonna say, and there's a bit of a balance there though, because when I when I got to Shell, I loved the work I was doing, but um, but ethics, the, the, there was a different uh, approach there that, yeah, I, that I I had to learn from as well. Like it was a bit different um, for me. I'm high performance, but I value the people in my life, my my values, and my family, and they were very like people moved around a lot. There's a lot of people who weren't with their families because their work was in a different city. And so, you know, it's yeah. really important to find the company that matches. Right. A company that um, sets you up for success for high performance at the same time understands that everyone's got personal personal yeah. matters and people who are important, you know, that maybe, maybe they say nine to five, but I feel like in these high performing cultures, no. it's more like nine to 10 or nine to 11. If your investment banking is probably like, oh, maybe like yeah. 6 a.m. to 2 a.m. Yeah, really is. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I love it. That's a great piece of advice. So now for the exciting stuff, yes. entrepreneurship, Jessica, tell us about how you decided to found your own coaching business or your consulting firm. Let me correct that. And um, Memory Keeper. 
Yes, so um, I found myself at a crossroads about a year and a half ago. I guess, yeah, about a year and a half ago now, um, and was really trying to take the opportunity to take some time to say, what is it I really want? Like I've turned all these opportunities into great experiences, but I haven't designed them. You know, I, I've put my play on them. And so I took some time trying to decide whether I really mostly whether I had the guts to go out on my own or whether I was looking for another J-O-B and I really um I just <laughs> that is not what I was going for this time I've had a ton of great jobs had a ton of great mentors really good experiences I'm ready for something new um and a lot of the excuses that were in front of me in the past were removed you know I my house is paid for my kids education is saved for like some of those barriers that honestly looking back now if you're putting those in front of you don't like they're they're made of barriers just to buy yourself some time and comfort. Like they're not real. <laughs> so, but I think they were removed <clears throat> and I had no more excuses. I had to go for it. Um, and so I was torn between, you know, I had a couple concepts, Memory Keeper being one that was really close to my heart and was a passion project, um, but completely in a different space. I was not a technical person. You know, I don't know how to do software development. It is a software-based program, um, digital time capsule, um, and marketing and storytelling, which I also don't have a ton of background and experience in. Um, I just, it, but it was in my heart. Like I, I knew it when I talked about it, when I dreamt about it, when I designed it, um, I went from here to here, you know, I just, and I knew it was right. And every time I talked to people and people who I think would be really honest with me saying, no, this is, we need this. This is brilliant. So, you know, the more I started talking about it, um, the more I knew I had to do something with it, at least try, you know? Um, but at the same time, there was this all brand new, all scary. It's kind of exhausting, like to spend your whole day, every hour doing things that are brand new to you or that you take longer at because it's the first time you've done it. Um, and so I decided partnering it with something I a, was comfortable with, which is coaching and consulting, innovation, and really people um, extracting potential from people in leadership. Um, mm -hmm. So working on that, that allowed me to work with teams of people. Um, it allowed me to keep, to be honest, my confidence up because this is something I knew really well and I'm good at. I know I'm good at. Whereas this, I'm like, I could be a I could, it could be a disaster. <laughs> so yeah. it also allowed me to fund because I, because I had the experience and I was credible and was able to get work here easily and add value quickly. It allowed me to fund this other passion that it, I wasn't going to, no investor was going to say, oh, you have no experience in this. And yeah, we'd love to invest in, in you developing a product that we could develop ourselves. You know, I had to be logical mm -hmm. about it. And so doing both at the same time, and that was also while I was finishing my EMBA um, was a little crazy, but also I needed both of them to, I needed, I needed the one I was comfortable with that I knew I could do well to probably keep myself going financially as well as um, validate me and my, yeah. you know, sense of, no, no, I can still do this hard thing. Um, and I needed this because I just, it's like, it was planted in my heart and I know my whole life I've needed to do something. And now I finally, you know, 40 years into thinking, God, I wish I just knew what it was. Now I feel like I know what it is. And so having that and being able to, to apply myself to it, they balanced really well. Yeah. The, the clear vision that just came to you, how, how, you know, that was it a moment people say, you know, clarity came at a moment. A moment of clarity. What was that like for you? Tell us about it. 
you know, I can't, I, I've heard that. And again, I'm envious of those people that it was just a moment. Um, for me, it was, it was a bit slow. I'm, I needed to, I needed to validate, I guess, with other people and with myself, which I don't encourage. That's not a great process. But, um, <laughs> little by little, you know, I, mine was a little bit more of a staircase than it was just a moment. Like every step I took, it got a little stronger and I knew I was, I was, the gravitational pull was getting stronger and pulling me in. Um, <clears throat> and some of that was my own experience and the things I was doing. And some of it was the external validation to say, this is great, or you're on the right track. Um, and then I got f far enough in that even when I hit walls, it was still, there's a gravitational pull that's just getting stronger and stronger every day. Yeah. And just last week, we actually launched so that you can log on and you can create a keeper and you have, we have a product. And I did have a couple moments where I was like, this was an idea a year ago. And now I have, you know, technology and a team and a product and people want to buy it. And it's, um, there was a couple moments last week where I was like, it was just in awe. Like it, it's a different experience to feel pride for yourself, right? There was no external validation. It was just like, I actually pulled it off. Yeah, that's, that's cool. amazing. <laughs> that's amazing. And I've and I've been following your journey. Um, I'm always on LinkedIn, and I I just remember the time when you were doing your. We had a call. I think it was in 2019, and you were telling me how you were finishing up your EMBA. Mm -hmm. You were starting up your consulting firm, or you were in the, already yeah. doing it. Um, and <clears throat> at the same time, you were telling me about this startup which at the time was baby memory yeah. keeper which now is like idea. a full right yeah. it's an idea now it's like a full-grown product that's ready to launch you have a fantastic team and I just remember just being so so excited because for me it felt like I I had a role model a role model who um who because back in back last year I was in corporate and I just felt there, like there was an entrepreneurial, there was more, a more passionate side. And, and don't get me wrong, I, I loved corporate, it taught me yeah. a lot and I'm forever thankful. But just ha seeing you set that example, it really motivated oh. me to do the things I'm passionate about. And I remember you telling me, um, or telling me, you know, you asked me, Alina, what are you passionate about? And I said, marketing and things was to do with communications. And you advised me to, to, to hop on a few calls with these specific people um, to, to make sure that I'm on the right path. And, and I just, I think that's so important. So thank you so much for being my role model. And thank you. Thank you so much and for setting the example of lifting, lifting each other up, yes. mentoring Very young important. women, which is, which is something I will always remember to do um, when there's younger women who comes to me and ask for advice. So um, in terms of memory keeper before before we're, we were recording the session you were telling me about all these cool innovative parts about mm -hmm. it would you mind sharing them again they're so exciting no i'd love to i love talking about this so um, <laughs> we are a digital time capsule essentially so um currently we have the ability for you to log on and create what we call a keeper um in the memory keeper or many um and it's your ability to tell a story with uh, still photos, still photos with voice tags, video, print, um, maps, 
um, it's, it's really the way to tell a journey or a story, um, but it's not just you telling the story. You can invite people to collaborate, so they're co-authors on the story, and you can invite, you can crowdsource um, people to contribute to the story. So, uh, so it, it, you know, reflects a lot of different elements of the story, and then it creates this keeper, that's this end product story. We have the ability for you to do things like take a QR code and put it up at a wedding and have all those funny, uh, maybe videos or pictures or what have you that you don't want to put on Instagram, but you want to share with the bride and groom so that they see everything that happened. We have the ability for you to send a video. You can't make it to the wedding in advance. Um, send a video to play at the wedding as opposed to having, you know, Uncle Sam read a speech at the podium from you. Um, sending your best wishes, wishes to the bride and groom. Um, <laughs> he, he, and it goes through a whole story. So we, we are um, in the process. So right now we're fairly elementary. It is the digital time capsule, the ability to create the keeper, to invite collaborators to co-author it with you and to invite contributors to contribute to the story. But our next stages on our product are first that we, we are developing um, chapters so that you can put chapters. So example for a wedding, it could be the dating, the engagement, the um, pre-wedding parties, the rehearsal dinner, the wedding, and everyone can contribute to these experiences. And then you as the creator or the collaborator get to decide what the narrative is. So you, you get to be the author of your own story, but you crowdsource mm -hmm. all the things that happened. Um, and so chapters will be next. And then next we'll be working on integrating social media. We have a lot of customer testimonials of people who've had people's stories captured only on social media. And then all of a sudden their Facebook wall is uh, sunglass ads and all their pictures and stories and the comments from their grandmas on the birthday party or whatever are gone. So the ability to integrate yeah. those and import them protected into a keeper as opposed to the opposite um, is something we're working on as well. And um, long-term, we have big long goals. Like we really think that we have the ability to tell stories in, in so many dimensions that we're not used to telling it in. We can have voice, we can have video. Um, you know, the only thing we say we can't do with our stories right now is have scent come through them. So all the other senses oh, can cool you know, that be? come through, right? So wow. um, the ability for someone who's not born yet to see the video of their great grandma making bread and hearing her voice explain how she makes it, we have the ability, we all have, we, we have the technology to create this, but we don't have good mechanisms and tools and systems in place for us to capture those, keep them and pass them on. And that's really what we want to do. We want to be able to have, you know, Elena, your great grandchildren go to your tombstone and click on a QR code or scan a QR code to see the story of your life and to hear your voice and, you know, to hear what other people thought of you and what lessons they learned from you and and maybe go to ancestry.com someday and be able to click on that and see that whole story so we have some long-term goals and we have some fairly right in front of us like the chapters and the social media integration um, we think it's applicable to a ton of things so we're focusing on business to business right now just because it's a nice smaller um, space to have intimate conversations with our customers to under get their feedback but eventually we want to we want to blow it up so that every single person can start telling their stories with memory keeper I love that. I can't wait for that moment. I, I will always be on this journey. I'm going to, I know after this, you're going to send me a list of um, your social media profiles. I'm going to share them with my followers and I can't wait, Jessica. So in terms of um, a lot of my followers are currently um, a student who want to start a business or they might be in a nine to five job 
or maybe a nine to 10 yeah. <laughs> job where they want to start off something more passionate. So if there's uh, one piece of advice that you could give them in terms of pushing aside their doubts um, and fears, what would that be? I, honestly, I, I, I've always said chase what gives you energy. And I think maybe I need to back that up even further and say design what gives you energy a little bit. So even if you're there from nine till 10, you have to find the things that give you energy, whether it's in that day or outside of that day and engineer the day to have more of those things. Mm-hmm. As you do that, I think you will naturally, that gravitational pull will start to pull you there. The things, the, the opportunities will come up. So you, you have to, you can't wait. There's never going to be a right time to start to, to chase that. Um, you have to try and engineer it in what you're doing right now. So if you're working a corporate job and you know you want to be entrepreneurial and you have some ideas, take as much advantage of what you have in front of you in that corporate job. Try and get on the committees where you're coming up with new innovations. Try and suggest as many things as you can there. Try and pay attention to how uh, corporations fund new ideas. And, you know, just take all the learning. Be super curious about where you're at with a lens on it of where you want to go. Um, and try and try and don't wait, like inject it into what your day is today. If my, if my passion is about telling stories, if my passion is about challenging the status quo, like maybe getting to having my own company was the end, but the start might've been that if there's a new product at a company I work at, I say, I want to be on the committee that helps launch it. I don't care if it's extra work because it's going to drive my energy way up. You know, don't think of it that way. Think of it as your energy bank. And the more things you do that give you variety, the more you're going to be energized to do the other stuff too. So that was a windy path, but, (laughs) but in engineer, what gives you energy into every day and don't lose sight of long-term what you're going towards. So try and extract the value in every day that'll give you knowledge to help you do that final goal. I love that advice. I, the two words that stuck out to me were engineer and design. And I love the approach of taking, you know, really using what you have in front of you, whether that be in your corporate job and joining that innovation committee, if you want to, you know, innovate a product in the future, or if you want to become a CEO and you need to learn how to sell, you could perhaps, you know, jump on a few, um, uh, volunteer projects within the corporation and learn from the best directors, the best senior managers, um, how the whole sales process goes and how, you know, maybe even take notes and, you know, do some boring PowerPoints, even though it's boring at the moment, but you're learning so much about, you know, how these very successful people are conducting and leading these huge corporations in Canada. And that's like a once in a lifetime opportunity. And don't wait till you're ready. I think every single good experience I've had if I would have waited till I was ready would have passed me by I put my hand up a lot before I actually knew what I was doing to say I'll try wow in corporate and that actually gave me the strength I think to go entrepreneurial and say I have confidence that I did a bunch of other things that I didn't know how to do and I figured it out and did well at them so now I can Mm -hmm. do this and have some confidence that I know I'll figure it out I love that I love this I will try I will try. I will try. So guys, everyone, thank you so much for listening to our podcast. So as Jessica said, please try, please don't wait, please chase after a dream and be yourself, design and engineer a life and a career that you love. Thank you so much, Jessica. Thanks for having me. It was lovely.